This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey everyone, welcome to She Podcast, episode 389. I am your co-host, Jessica Kupferman, with me as always. Today she is pretty in pink, Elsie Escobar. Woohoo! Elsie is like in cheerleader mode. She's doing like halftime show shit right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, this is um OG. Yes, she's vintage. The OG logo. This is vintage logo. If anybody's mm-hmm. watching us today, this is vintage She Podcast logo. This is where it all began, people. It is. I forget that it's uh, Bevan, I think, was the name of that font. I can't remember what the name of the font was. You don't care, but I do. No. Anyway, so yeah, looking good, looking good. We have so much to talk about today. So, I mean, without further ado, we may as well just get started because Elsie's right. We have so much to talk about today. And I don't know, should we do business first? The first three are kind of business. And then there's news. So there's business and then news and then opinion this is like a whole magazine right at your right at your ear tips your earlobes right at your ear tips but first of all i think we should just go down that like because some of this stuff isn't necessarily discussion but it's more about calling attention to some things that have happened it's business that's why i said it's business Business. it's business okay all right well first of all i'd love to first give a big shout out to headliner Headliner, shout out to you all. Do you know about Headliner? So Headliner is an app, essentially like a web app, where you can create uh, what folks refer to as audiograms. Yes, Mm -hmm. there's some, like if you want, you know, you're to create a little video thing with a little like moving, whatever you call graphical depiction of your audio with a static background, that's an audiogram that you can add from yes. your podcast and stuff. Headliner, yes, it's so cool. My, By the way, you can start with $0 there. They have a free account. And so a lot of podcasters use this to create video versions of their, of their audio podcast. And they've been around for quite a long time. It's a really great tool. I've used it for quite a few years now. But I haven't, I don't go there often because now I have people who. I have it too. And I don't go there often either because I stopped doing audiograms. But I mean, there's no reason why you have to stop. Just that I ran out of time to do it. But anyway, we had a surprise. We had a surprise. We were tagged on Facebook, both you and I, Jess, by Mm -hmm. our friend. Clay Groves, Clay Groves from yeah. the Fish Nerds podcast. And he said that he, what did he say? He said something like, I was getting mad that I had to sit there and wait for podcasts while my pot, you know, my show was processing. Yeah, while was loading. Yeah, what was processing. It's because what happens is you, you put your podcast in there and it takes some time for it to process. Like video files take time to process. Right. So right. it was taking time to process. And on that screen, when things are happening, yeah, there are these little podcast episodes that just pop up. I guess they ha- they've created audiograms off of our stuff, Jess. I know and it's so cool. It is so cool. So he shared a screenshot with us, and it it was from our last episode, episode three eighty eight, slippers and sequins. Yep. 
And he was like, oh, my God, this is so great. And it starts playing. And I thought, oh, wow, that is so cool. Yeah. Thank you. I know. That's really nice. Thank you, Oliver. Thank you, Headliner. Thank you yes. for doing that. That's really nice. And it we're is very super nice. I just hope and- that people like found it. Funny, I guess. Useful, helpful, Useful, helpful. Funny, hey, there's entertaining, a, not boring. Not boring. Yeah, there's a podcast that we can listen to. She pod- anyway, thank you. Shout out. And then that's something that you can, I mean, anyway, yeah. that's something thank that they're so doing much. that's really cool. Yay. You know. right. Yeah, that was really cool. And thanks for shouting us out, Clay. Recently, we participated in something called the Indie Pod Summit. And if, you've, if you're connected with us anywhere on social, you've seen me ask, that you fill out a census about independent podcasters and their preferences and the, you know some information about them so that we could learn some stuff. And we learned a lot of stuff. So we just wanted to say thank you to Colin for inviting us to partner on the IndiePod Census Summit and Census. Summit and Census, correcto. There was a key focus on independent podcasters from around the world. The goal was to answer what's next in the podcasting industry. So we were super excited because we were on a panel with Ari Nissenblatt. It was me and Elsie, Ari Nissenblatt, and our moderator, which was Allegra Sinclair. And she was so smart and everyone was so smart. And I just, I have to tell you, the last couple of panels I've been on have just been a delight. Just be, and it's never long enough, like just being able to talk about some of these issues with people who are maybe slightly different in experience, like as far as where they are in the industry, but like have been doing it as long absolutely delightful. I've learned so much in the last month just from being on. I was on three panels this month. It's been great. I love it. So thank you so much for inviting us to do that and for partnering with us. It's been absolutely delightful. That census is going to be, I think, very impactful. I think that they've really created something very, very special and have gotten quite a bit of information in it. Now, the the entire census, the entire report with all the data is going to be published in March. So you still don't know most of the stuff that was discussed. We are going to have a link in the show notes. And for those of you who are watching live, I did drop a link in there. I'm not sure if you could still sign up to get access to some of these discussions. But the panel that we were a part of was there were so many people like in the chat talking. It was amazing. So this data that we had access to it before it was released Um, There were uh, 1,258 respondents. They took 21 data points. There were 10 plus partners and there were over 800 people who signed up for the summit itself. And part of the information that was grabbed in there was gender and participation in podcasting, ethnicity. Um, I have the stuff in here that I'm not going to reveal for you here. Location, as in geographic location, age, which to me was one of the most astounding pieces of information that we discussed in uh, during the summit. They also gather stuff about household income, podcast experience, which again was also quite an interesting bit of information. There was also feedback, feedback in the sense of this was the question that was posed. How do you feel about the amount of feedback you receive from your listeners? And in fact, I'm asking that question to you all 
if you have thoughts around that and think, then you can tell me like, oh my God, it was like amazing for me to know all of this information or from my listeners, my listeners are totally knowing me and all of that stuff. Go ahead and put it in the chat or even email us at feedbackatshepodcast.com because the biggest pain point, one of the biggest pain points that they had is the fact that people don't get too much feedback. And I'm wondering if you guys would know that. Um, what else was there? Podcast format, video, rec- oh, video. They had so many questions, y'all, about video and how to do video stuff and what podcasters are actually doing with their video. They asked some very, very key questions. So you must, must keep your eye out about the Indie Pod Summit because it was unbelievably great that they put it in there. Mind you, it is, I believe they're going to be known as the Indie Pod Census maybe moving forward because it is more like that. We all want, we want podcasters to be counted. We want podcasters to to participate in this. And I think one of the key things that Colin wanted to do, Colin Gray, who is basically, I think, the key person who created the IndiePod census, is that we really do need to get more information outside of the northern slash western hemisphere of things, more of the Eurocentric podcast producers, and really move to the rest of the world and get some insight from all of those podcasters because it does become a little bit of challenging to really get a, a clear understanding of who the indie pod folks are. What else is there? I think that that's about it when it comes to the indie pod summit. And while Jess exited the building, by the way, for those of you who are listening, she needed to exit and she will be back. And so I am here by myself taking over all the things. Another shout out this time. It's about the Africa Podcast Festival that happened on February. What was it? February 12th, I believe. February 12th was Africa Podcast Day. And I will be sharing about Africa Podcast Day or we will be putting it in the show notes, a link in the show notes, because they had the entire live event streamed with an incredible amount of live streaming, amazing, amazing programming that was also around some data. So there was some very specific data around, I'm assuming that Edison Research participated on that and possibly either did some, I have not seen it, by the way, I'm going to put a link in in the show notes as well about this, some data possibly around Black creators, um, maybe not necessarily specific to the Africa diaspora, African diaspora, but possibly Black creators as a whole. And that really stemmed or led into a panel discussion so that you get an opportunity to understand exactly what that data is all about. It was really, really awesome. I am so glad you came back. I'm so sorry. I'm it very is a very sorry. interesting thing to just I had an emergency. Feel like I I'm glad you I'm glad you came back. We're now talking about Africa Podcast Day that happened on February 12th. And was it 12th? Yeah, February 12th. It was yeah, yesterday. It was the 13th. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And uh it was a delicious, delicious um day. Uh lots of really wonderful things that I shared as much as I possibly could. And all of the links will be in the show delicious notes so that you can day. get an opportunity to check that out. I would also suggest for you folks um, that are interested in any kind of this stuff, put this already inside of your um, yearly things to keep an eye out 
especially for next year on February 2024. This is a fantastic opportunity to support podcasters that are outside of the U.S. and be a part of the celebration and in some way for us to be able to amplify these voices that often we we don't really see when we are so gosh darn Eurocentric sometimes just moving into the just the northern hemisphere. We kind of like stick there for a little bit. There's so much stuff happening in podcasting that is not here. Yeah. True. So yeah, now let's go ahead and discuss the the article that I found on Wired and I shared it here with Jess. The yes. title of this thing is called The Workforce is Failing Women. Business leaders can't stop it. That's right. So the article is just about how, you know, since the pandemic and maybe even a little bit before the working situation for women in this country has become much more apparent. Um, we're exhausted. We're underpaid. We're constantly battling for basic rights. They call it a she session instead of a recession. It's a she session. <laughs> One in three women are looking to downshift their careers, leave the workforce entirely, joining millions of women who have already done that this past year. So it's like a global, the global labor shortage and caregiving crisis straining workforces already. Smart leaders will invest in reversing the she session by making structural changes, by paying us more, by being more flexible. It also mentions how like a lot of companies are still more worried about how often you work from home versus in the office instead of like when you work. Because even if you are working from home nine to five, I also agree it's stupid to have to start at nine or start at eight or start at seven because that's when your bosses are doing it. When you know you have to get kids to daycare and we should just be able to work when we're at our best. My best time is between 10 and two, I think. That's when mm. I have the most energy. It's when I feel the smartest. I mean, honestly, if I have nothing to do in the morning, I do a lot of diddling. But it also means like I have to like, why did this all of a sudden become about me? I don't know. But I was just going to say I have to build in diddle time. It's, let's go back to the article. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. sorry. I don't know why I just totally made that about me for no think, reason at all. Well, I think that the, the point of the article is what you pointed out earlier when we were reading about this, that this is according to some uh, to research from Slack's Future Forum Consortium. It shows that flexibility ranks second only behind compensation. And obviously, it's particularly true for parents, right? And working parents, as as, the, as what Jessica was talking about there. Yes. And part of it is really interesting here where it's, um, there's also another quote here that I was like, ah, oh, very interesting. It says, quote, 95% of female desk workers want flexibility in their schedules, more choice in how they structure their days aside from the occasional appointment out of the office. And the majority are not getting that option today. Now, one of the key, obviously this makes sense for all of us, right, Jess? You were just talking about you've got a, a younger kid that you are taking to school and bringing him home from school. So there are some, some sort of general understandings of... Um, you know, the morning, you got to go in the morning, could drop them off and you got to go in the afternoon around, you know, whatever, three o'clock to pick them up. Yeah, like that's yep. like, that's just the schedule most people have. But then yeah. there's people like me who homeschool the kids right. and we don't have that 
we actually like to me speaking about when you were saying like my my best time for me to work is xyz my best time for me to work is from 6 to about 10 in the morning that's when i get a really huge chunk of work done but when i met you you guys were going to bed at 11 and waking up at 11 like you weren't ready to work until almost noon when i first met yeah, you you exactly. made a conscious effort to switch that around absolutely that's that, yeah. that was the schedule that i was doing i was when i was when i had younger babies you're totally right when i yeah. had younger babies i pushed myself almost to like exhaustion and it really wrecked my health um, yeah. what i was doing is i was staying up and doing hefty lift of work from about midnight to 2 a.m. every morning yeah. by myself with either the baby sleeping or the baby quietly nursing with me. And I, I was just like typing away during that time. And I got a lot of work done, but it, I was, it wrecked me. It wrecked my yeah. mental health a lot. And so I, I did switch it around and now I'm and now my kids are bigger. So my, I have older children that I, you know, I set their schedule. They, for the most part, do the majority of stuff they need to do on their own Good for school. And I, I still, the majority of the work that I do with them is feeding them and getting them out to go walk around and things like that. Um, but I also have, Randy is, uh, is very helpful with all of this stuff, but we do the majority of their engagement in the middle of the day. And at that time is when I have the majority of meetings. So I do a big working in the morning and a big working probably from like six to eight. And that's when I work. So it's kind of like a sandwich. Yeah. You have and a work sandwich. I kind of have that too. Cause he comes home at three and we piddle. He does homework. We have dinner. And then we, when we go upstairs to bed, I work again. Yeah. But I try to do all the stuff that dumb the dumb stuff at night. Like I don't, I don't try to strain my brain to be creative after like 5 PM, but I do, um, you know, make spreadsheets, clean stuff up, organize my folders or like, you know, if I have to like duplicate, you know, like for example, um, and I didn't make these, but this is just an example, like speaker graphics, right? Like uh -huh. I, it's like a hundred of the same graphic, just putting in different faces yeah. and different. Yeah. So I just, Stuff like that I do late at night because it's easier. You know, you should learn about your brain and when it's the smartest and when it's not the smartest. And you should always work within your own, even if you have to work from nine to five. You got to figure out when is the best time for you to meet people. When is the best time for you to get a lot done? When no. is the best time for you to stare into space? You need yeah. that, right? And also not knowing what thing drains you the most, you know, because yes. like if there's like when I have meetings back to back to back to back meetings, it is so hard for me to have like, let's say three meetings in a day, even if there's a gap in between and then get off. It's too much. It's way too much for me to do some. That's why I like to work from about six to 10, because mm -hmm. usually at that time, there are no meetings usually right, right usually <laughs> in the morning you know what i mean and so it i can get an opportunity to get a big chunk of work done and it's such a blessing now now but let's continue talking about this specific issue because i've never really worked in the office like i've been working at lipson for so long and i only worked in the office for less than a year 
before my kid, my first baby was born. That was the only time I worked in an office. And it was such a new experience to me for me because I've never in my working career ever worked in an office that it was kind of neat. I was like, I'm going to the office. You know, it was, hey. it, they had that, hey, me. And so I didn't even know like what you're supposed to, anyway, whatever. That's a whole story for another day. So I've never worked at an office before, but all of the rest of the years I have, and I have felt this and I didn't know it had a term. So I'm going to read another sentence from the article. It says, um, quote, but proximity bias, favoritism for people who work nearby in the office is a looming risk that leaders must actively negate. Why? Our research shows that women, employees of color, and working mothers are most likely to want to continue to work flexibly, while men, white employees, and non-caregivers are more likely to go back into the office full-time, left unchecked, and without intentional action, disparities in the workplace could deepen entrenching existing inequities, end quote. That's because those men can't hang. No. <laughs> what do you mean can't hang? Can't hang at home? It's like, they're like, no, I gotta go a new office. baby, and they're like, I gotta get the out of here. Yeah. And I mean, but that, you know, that really calls attention to some very interesting things. And, and also it could be an inequity in the sense of also ageism, right? Because yeah. I, I have a feeling there, there's going to come a point for like, you know, 40, 50, 60 year olds that are in the workplace, they're moving to a place where they're like, I've already been there, done that. I'd rather have this experience. Whereas the yeah. new folks, the younger generation, the generation Z's, coming into the work environment, even though they might feel more at home being sort of at, at home doing the work, that's also very isolating and they're just starting to create their social life. And right. truth be told, a lot of the social life for most of us happened in the work, right? So not being able to go eat with your colleagues or have people around you all the time and work together and find that way of like co-working and building relationships physically with with each other within the work environment is something they're lacking and they're looking for. So they might be going to school. I mean, to school. (laughs) I don't necessarily agree with that. And I'll tell you why. Because, Because this generation, like, did I ever tell you, like, I graduated college and then I went back and taught a class at my university, probably like, uh, let's say 15 years after I graduated. Mm-hmm. I was looking around and I said, is anyone missing it? And they are like, we have no idea if anyone's missing because they walk around with their phones and All with right. headphones. They don't know anyone in their classes, which also means to me, they don't know anyone at their job. Maybe. They don't socialize the same way. I think they find their friends wherever they find their friends, but I don't think they rely on interpersonal in-person experiences for a social life anymore. Not the way we did when we were younger. We couldn't be entertained and eat lunch by ourselves. But now you can. This is true. Now you can. Yes. So I get that. But I think that there's also going to be one of those. I feel personally, Gen Z is incredibly smart, right? And they're really driven and they like fight for things and they're like, this is the way it's supposed to be, right? You know, they're, they're like that. Yeah, kind. They're like they're self righteous so, and yes, and in a good way. Not yeah. in a, that's not a, an insult. It just means exactly. They, it's a it's a they good have the thing. balls to stand up for what they deserve. Correct. In ways that our generations just took it. <laughs> we just bent over and took it. Given that, they are going to begin to recognize that there's something to be said about 
real life interactions, building relationships outside of their phones. There's no substitution for real life interaction. But what I'm, yes, but what I'm saying to you is that there's a lot of generations that haven't even done that because of the pandemic or before of where they were before, like it's upended things. And therefore they are going to turn back into themselves and go, Hey, maybe I should not be looking at my phone so much. Maybe I should (laughs) connect with other people. Maybe we can create another type of a movement that is outside of the scope of how they were moving in. I think this is going to happen. You have to drag them by the hair and take the phone away if you want this to happen. They can't even no, have no, it. No. If you- I have a feeling it's going to be an intrinsic move. I, I'm telling you now, might as well put it down on paper and I have said it. I have said I'm it. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm saying in order to make it happen, we're going to have to force them. No, no, but no. Once they're out, we they're are out. not going to force them. We are not going to force them. They will make that choice for themselves. I don't know. If I do agree that. They don't that. know what it's like to have Exactly. Kind of but they will make that choice for themselves. I I promise you they'll hit it. They're going to hit an, a, a wall and they'll recognize there's some missing stuff. They, I'm telling you, they're smart. They yeah. know exactly what they're doing. And there's going to be a point. It may not happen in their 20s. No. But it will happen. I'll give you an example. Like Isaac is recently into video games. We got him a Switch for his birthday. There are some games that have like mini games inside. So just to say he has like an unlimited supply of stuff to play. Unlimited. We bought him a couple games that he wanted, you know, and then some things that were free. And then, you know, we plugged into something that had 50 more games. The amount of times he says he's bored playing games. I'm like, because your brain, this is boring to the rest of your body. To your soul, it's just boring. You have to. So we put the thing away, and I got for my birthday. I got like a dice, but it's like an Uber dice set with like bowling pins and like a cup for Yahtzee and like Jack Queen King dice. And we started making up dice games, and he was the happiest I've seen him in a month. But just, not you're talking, playing on it. You're talking. But, you, but I had to make him though. I had to make him. Yes, but he's seven. I know he's eight, but this is. Okay. Okay, no, I'm not talking about eight-year-old. I know, but my five-year-old is the same way, though. Nate's the same way. I have to be like, put the phone down and and look at the animals with your eyeballs. How do you know he doesn't do it on his own? I don't. don't, He doesn't live with you. He might be doing that. I mean, maybe. All right, we'll stop making this point now. I get what you're meaning. Yeah, so that's all I'm saying is that. there's going to be a resurgence of, I mean, and I hope you're right. And I feel that way already. So I hope that it's. It's everyone, not just younger people. Because I already feel like it's too much. It's a lot. It's a lot of stuff for especially for younger folk. But anyway, um, that's a really good article. If you guys want to read more about it, it was published on Wired. All of the links are going to be in the show notes so that you can read up on um, some of the conversations there. All that to say that I, I do feel that there's going to be a restructuring of what work looks like. and. I hope, I hope that there is a, an actual shift and that people do recognize the difference um, yeah. in, in creating the freedom and, and being able to empower, you know, the type of folks that for whatever reason can't, they don't feel like they can make it into the office. You know, there's just so mm-hmm. much around that. Oh my gosh, Kim, it's so nice that you're here live. I'm so excited. <laughs> yes. 
Um, all right. So now we are going to be talking about, I have a new show, Jessica Kufferman. I am so excited. What is it? It is called The Fuzzy Logic uh, Show. And logic is spelled L-A-W-G-I-C. Oh, my God. It's a an ending podcast, if you will. Like it has a, an end. We're going to be doing it's ten limited, episodes. Limited series, I think. Limited is what series. Called. That's right. Limited series. <laughs> um, and it is going to be addressing legal, social, and ethical topics mm-hmm. um, that are very important to creators like us. So anything that has to do with podcasting, you you know, YouTube, social media, things like that. Folks of, the, of us that are creating things for online. My co-host is Gordon Firemark, who is the podcast lawyer. Uh, it is being produced by Numospect Media. And we go live at 11 a.m. Eastern on Friday mornings. On YouTube, LinkedIn, and I believe Facebook, and maybe other places. I'm not sure. And it is going to be so great because we get it to really go deep into one issue and see it from all kinds of really different perspectives. So our first episode was all about AI. How about that, Jessica? Um, I can't wait to listen to it because I'm all about AI right now. It was a really great conversation. I'm not sure if it's going to be on audio, though. So you might have to turn on, like, go over to LinkedIn and look at my stream and, like, put it on. Or I'll give you a link and then you can put it on in the background and you can just listen as we're discussing. But it was it was a really wonderful conversation because I do feel that, you know, the whole chat, you cannot move. You cannot go on the Internet and not find chat GPT or open AI somewhere. Right. Right. Everybody's talking about this. It's crazy. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It is. But it's I'm cool. So shocked. It is crazy. So Wait, what are your why? thoughts? So what are your thoughts? No, what like are you shocked about what are the latest things that you have found out about AI? So much um, as it pertains to your work, and you can do it real quick. Okay. I mean, I've learned a lot, but basically what I like to, there's a couple, Hey Kim, um, there's a couple of things I like to use it for as a starter. I've had it make in, complete automations for follow-up automations for when people make purchases, follow-up automations to remind people to do stuff. Um, I've had it create a website outline for me. I had it create website copy, homepage copy, title, subtitle, introductory paragraph, my own personal bio. Although, you know, it all needs tweaking. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can also ask it to do social updates. So write me 20 posts with engaging questions for podcasters. Write me 20 posts, you know, with quotes about flowers. Write me 20, you know, and I usually do 20. You can say 50, but it takes them a, a minute to do 50. So you just want to, you kind of want to do 10 just to see if they've, if they are getting the point before you do like a big stack like that. I've been playing more with art. Last night I was playing with art because I was going, I wanted a specific pattern for something and I couldn't, well, I couldn't afford to buy the thing because it was too flippant expensive. So I wanted mm-hmm. to it myself and I needed a, a similar pattern. So I was trying to get night cafe to create this, you know, vintage yellow submarine, like weird mod pattern. 
Um, and I got better at that than I have been in, you know, I, I started doing art first and uh, I sucked at it so bad, but I'm getting better at it now. And also, just so you know, I know a lot of different chat tools and I've been playing with a bunch. So I have chat GPT and these are all free accounts so far. Copy.ai, Jasper.ai, which is like, so copy is clearly, you know, like all kinds of copy. And then Jasper is copy, but it's like sort of more on the business vibe. And then a Quillbot, which will take something, anything that's been written and rephrase it. And it's actually a Chrome extension. So no matter what you're writing, if you're in an email and it has a suggestion to rephrase something, it will like underline it for you. And then when you mouse over the underline, it'll say, or you could say it this way if you like this better. <gasps> it's amazing. That. That so um, is amazing. I mean, AI has just been so cool. That's not even hashtag generation. I mean, like, it, first of all, ChatGPT by itself does all of it. And the more you use it, the more it understands what you do. So now I just have to be like, give me a video idea. And it knows I'm working on awards and I'm working on an event and I'm working, you know, and, and, and knows about she podcast. So it'll just talk to me like a person. It has full memory of everything I've asked it to do up until this point. It's amazing. I love it. I cannot say enough. That's what I'm like delving into. But I'm also I'm also bookmarking stuff on LinkedIn. I probably have about 200 different tool lists mm -hmm. or tools in a list because there was one LinkedIn post that I copied that was like 150 AI tools of all different kinds. Right. right. And then I've been and then it's like the best ones for marketing, the best ones for art, the best ones for social media. And I'm just bookmark, bookmark, bookmark. Someday I'll, I'll have an enormous spreadsheet. Oh, I think I have a bookmarked a spreadsheet with an enormous list of AI oh things to play with. I'm not trying to be an expert, but like once I dive in, I'm swimming for a long time. Yeah. I don't get out of that pool until I am fully swam out and I'm not swim nowhere close so far. What about you? What do you think? I mean, I guess I could just listen to the episode. I don't well, in the episode, no, in the episode, since we, you know, part of it is that I see the power of it, but of course, because I am me, and it's one of the reasons that I said yes to doing this podcast is because the show is because I'm a huge advocate for looking at the cultural, social, and ethical implications of tech. This is something that I live and die for. And it's what I, it's the first thing that comes up. So we really talked about a lot of the bias. We talked about the ethical problems that could arise from something like this. We talked about yeah. all of what it is, it can get wrong the power of something like this, especially as it starts to be, because I think that the biggest issue that I mentioned is the fact that because it has become such the hot thing for a lot of tech companies, the push for getting a product out fast. I know. Is so, the, it's leading the way. I mean, you know, with the fact that all of a sudden, you know, Google came out and they're like, we have a thing. And then the next day, Microsoft. Notion. Yeah, I know. My, my, you know, Microsoft released the, uh, the, the, the chat GPT or open AI integration within Bing. And the reason that Google did that is because Bing, they knew Bing was going to be released with this open AI integration with it. And so the fact that these services are putting things out so fast means that they are not checking. You don't know how fast it's been done. Though. No, no, no. And that's the thing. It's like you cannot say that because even in the presentation sure. with my, even when the presentation with Google, they got facts wrong in the darn presentation. Probably because they've been working on it a while. Just guessing. 
And well, how, how is that like? Because they didn't go like, back and look at their presentation. I mean, look, I, it and, doesn't matter who's right. Listen, the point is, no matter guess, what, you're. I'm telling you have just listen, you have just I don't need to hear any more like no, let's go all in. This was, is amazing. I it's wasn't like, gonna say that. I was gonna shit. say I agree that people who use it, I mean, like I am I am always someone who takes ethical steps to make sure that I'm doing things in an ethical manner. So like, I'm not going to assume that everyone does that, but they should, you shouldn't let it just write your shit for you. You have to infuse your own personality and use some of your own words. It's very easy to tell when like something's been written by AI and not you. So it's just a starting point, but it's, but like if you, but you using it to organize stuff, Yes, I get I'm that. Not but to like sell it. I'm Yeah, but saying- the whole I get how helpful it is. Believe me, I'm gonna share with you how helpful it's been with me. What Good. I'm saying is that we have to go into this recognizing that there is inherent bias into this because the re- the way that it's pulling the information what kind of bias the information that all it's already because historically excluded what kind voices of bias? in there. The IA oh. only delivers what it already has access to, excluding of parts of you. It of replicates course. what it currently exists. Creative and thought leadership theft appropriation continues to be a massive problem, especially for the Black community and adding in, you know, Indigenous and people of color as well. There's no receipts. There's no way to go back and give credit or even to verify the source. So all of that needs to be looked at like head on. You're right. 100%. You're right. So that's what I mean. And because it's being done so fast. Anyway. You're right. I didn't even think of that. How would I? In Fuzzy Logic, we really discussed all of this. And Gordon Firemark really brings in all of the direct, like, legal issues that are arising with AI and things for us to be looking into because it's not just copywriting. This could be AI that are is being implemented by financial institutions. You are being pre-checked for something. You are seeing if you can get a loan or not a loan and it's all through AI and then you have to tick a box and they're going to know either yes or no and maybe you have something that doesn't quite match but you're still going to be under one bucket and it's going to just, you're not even going to be able to get in the room to be able to get whatever it is that you want. So there's lots of things to think about it. I do have like a summary of my thoughts about it in the episodes. You guys are going to have to go listen. Again, I'll put a link in the show notes. Melissa can do that for us. But I'm not totally like, oh, scary. I don't want to move from a place of fear. And I see how helpful it is. I've been using, I haven't been using, other than chat GPT, I've, I downloaded a client for Mac that is called Mac GPT. And it really is just an app. It's about $10, actually, the app itself. And it just lives on your computer. And so it's an app that connects to the web version. And so you don't have to be going in the browser and doing the stuff. It can just be off to the side. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been using some of that. But also what I've been using is the Notion. So Notion AI is something that is now out. So now for those of you who use Notion, um, which is a, oh my God, I don't even know what you call it. It's like a place where you do everything. (laughs) It's like... you. 
I don't even know. I don't even know what to call Notion. But anyway, go over to Notion.so. It can do so many different things. It's a management system. Yeah, but it also publishes websites and you can keep like, I mean, it just says so many things. It's crazy. Yeah. What do you call it? What the fuck do you call it? It's everything. It's like a place to do things, all kinds of stuff. But now there is an an AI engine. Um, I believe it's still in beta. I got access to it because I applied to be part of the early adopters or whatever. Now you can ask it to do stuff inside of Notion and it translates stuff and it creates outlines for you and it does all the stuff. I just recently wrote a love note for the Libsyn blog, which um, I will share with Melissa um, here. It's not live yet because we are not past Valentine's Day, but it'll be being published tomorrow as we speak on Valentine's Day. And there was a couple of sentences, you know how I write, Jess, like I write sometimes and I use a lot of words. Yes, you do. Maybe too many, some would say. Yes, some some would say that. And so there were a couple of like chunks of paragraphs where I looked at it and I was like, I know what I'm saying, but there's way too many words here and I'm not quite sure how to restructure this one sentence to say the thing. So I just copied and pasted literally six sentences and went into Notion AI and it like, I think it's called Write Better. I don't know what it is. There's like a a prompt and okay. it just rewrote it. And I was like, yes, that's what I meant. Thanks. <laughs> and so <Yay>. like, I just <laughs> copied and pasted it into, the, into my work. And again, it's a really long blog post. It's super long, but there are a couple of things where I'm like, I don't know how to, I don't know what to do with this. Right. And yeah, so I yeah. just... It was so great. And also, I am going to be participating in a Spanish event. Uh, It's called Pod Festival or something like that. And they needed me to give them a a bio. And I haven't updated my bio in, in a long time. I had it in Spanish, but I also wanted to have my new bio. And I was like, why not use this thing? Why not? And so I went in there and it wrote me this lovely Spanish bio. And mind you, I am fluent in Spanish. So it's not like I just sent it to them. I read it and I was like, very impressed. Nice. <laughs> I was like, exactly. Yay. Good, yeah. good, for, good for me for being all those things in Spanish too. Yeah. So, so it just wrote it for you. That's amazing. Yeah, it did. It just translated. No, I already had it. I, they translated it for me. That's still, that's great though. It's great. I loved it. It was, it was awesome. So translation is going to be key as well, I think for sure. So in that respect, there are so, and it saved me time. So I get everything that you said, Jess, it's true. It is. But we also talked about in the conversation within Logic, which is why it's so good. We really dove into how awesome that is. And at the same time, how many jobs is it going to affect, right? How many of the medial jobs out there is something like chat GPT going to take away from folks, right? Even though it is empowering for some small business owners to save some money that they're not longer going to be having to outsource for some things, Mm -hmm. right? It also is taking away income from some folks that had been doing that. So it is going to be upending a lot of that as well. Is it going to replace all the things? No. In the same way that folks were afraid that all kinds of things were going to be replaced, right? It's yeah. people are always afraid of change, but one always. Thing, and I mean, oh, wait, I mean, not just afraid, but like protesting, being mm-hmm. dragged. It's ridiculous. Yeah, but one thing that I think Gordon mentioned that I thought this is great advice, especially for folks who are hired to write 
let's say, tweets for somebody or do all of that sort of mundane thing that a lot of small business owners outsource, it really behooves those people who Mm -hmm. have to take those jobs to get very, very, very aware and educated on all of these services because being able to use the AI services is going to be something that people are looking for, right? If you do hire somebody- Yeah, it's a skill. Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. if you know how to ask it to do things and if you can- even like to have a partner who can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Or or, yeah, you, yeah, they're going to be eventually hiring someone that can specifically produce with AI mm -hmm. effectively, effectively and no diddling. Exactly. We're diddling now is so that later I can be like, here's what you say. Here's what you do. Here's what you ask. Don't ask it. Right. And so even with you, like think about when you were talking about the artwork thing, what if there was someone who was quite adept at using whatever tool you were using and they're like, I can do that for you. Mm -hmm. And they did it for you and saved you and then just got you exactly what you wanted. You'd be like, thanks for my time back, right? So it does, I think part of what I said at the end of our uh, recording was that we have to go into it. Like you can't say, ooh, scary and just step away or that's so weird or I don't know how to do it. Like you must. And I think for me, I kept talking about it from the perspective of my kids. I can't deny a technology that's going to be part of my kid's life. No, you can't. You just better as well learn it. Yeah, because it is incredibly important to be mm-hmm. able to be adept at that. So I agree 100%. Good for you, mama. Oh my God. And I'm going to put an, an a, I think that we have links to all of the things in the show notes for all we that. We do. We do. I think we have a, a, a show. Shall we call it a day? I think let's call it a day. Yeah. What should we call today's show? Do you think? Oh my God. Oh my gosh. Melissa, you can ask chat GPT in notion how to write, to write our show notes. That's actually new, but she's taking, I gave her a course to take on chat. You should do it like you tr- test it out on Notion, Melissa, and see how it writes our show notes. Yes. It might save you some time for this. Because How would it do that open. without knowing what she we're talking She can just about. write the bullet points in there and oh, ask yeah. it to do, oh. do a summary for the episode. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Melissa. Like mm-hmm. super. Uh, well, let me, let me close out and then I guess we can figure out the title. Thank you so much for listening to episode 389 of She Podcast. If you want to send us feedback about today's show, please do. You can find our email. Our email is feedback at shepodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest at She Podcasts. Don't forget to join us in person. Speaking of being in person this summer in Washington, D.C. at the MGM National Harbor, June 19th. Go check it out. ShePodcastLive.com. Thank you for listening. Oh, our show notes are on ShePodcast.com as well. So thank you so much. And we, we love you. Love you. Mean it. Mean it, mean it. Bye.